0: The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for uh, sticking around for our fine interview we are about to have with Hashim Panse, who is the North American Sustainability Leader at Dassault Systems. We are going to be talking sustainability and all the hats that you wear and, and what the company does um, in general. So uh, it's one of those companies that a lot of us may not be familiar with. So um, it's going to be fun for us to explore that part of the conversation. So why don't we... Um, why don't we start off with that and give, provide our listeners with a solid idea of what Deso does and um, maybe a quick example of some customers and um, an example of some of the products?
1: Absolutely. So as you said, Deso Systems is the 3D experience company. So we uh, help our customers design and manage products. Um, so we have some industry-leading CAD software that's computer-aided design for three-dimensional design, uh, as well as product lifecycle management software for managing uh, engineering data uh, and uh, marshalling products through the, the product development process. Um, we're in a number of different industries, uh, and that's kind of part of the exciting thing of what we do, uh, is that uh, our customers use our products to, to make uh uh, or use our software to make products that are everything from, from airplanes, uh, a lot of the aircraft that you've flown on, many of the cars that you've driven, um, all the way to uh, apparel and, um, uh, you know, sort of I- if you look around in your kitchen, a lot of everyday appliances uh, are designed with our software. Uh, as well as uh, some exciting products like like Burton snowboards and Fender guitars, and really? uh, yeah, it's um, it's quite uh, uh, encompassing in terms of you know our our uh, our presence in uh, when you're just looking around and, and looking at different products. It's kind of fun to be in a room and and look around and kind of look at the lighting systems and, you know, look at some of the, the computer components and, um, you know, just to think that, uh, you know, the, the tablets on our desk and things like that and just to think that, you know, entire products or at least components of them are, are going to be designed in our software.
0: That's so cool. So let's take, since I am a musician also, um, let's let's take the Fender guitars example. So how would Fender use your software?
1: So I'm not sure exactly which pieces of our software they're using, but let's talk about a a company that uh, has access to sort of all of our components. Uh, They could design it, um, the actual... Uh, you know, shape and concept, um, the geometry, the materials, um, uh, using our CAD software, um, they could then um, simulate the use of the product. They can do crush tests, drop tests, um, you know, do um, you know fluid flow analyses and things like that. Um, you know, which is really important for. Um, being able to kind of virtually prototype these products um, rather than running a lot of uh, physical tests and wasting a lot of material and energy. Mm -hmm. They could then uh, design the production of that, uh, you know, the manufacturing lines, and um, kind of look at the whole process of um, how do we take that product to market, uh, you know, and then everything ancillary to that, like technical communication software uh, to, to produce, you know, manuals and things like that. As well as to manage all of that engineering data um, in terms of um, the uh, the designs and uh, the manufacturing information, the supplier information, capturing all of that um, the uh, what we call um, product lifecycle management or the the full lifecycle of the product. So it's really kind of an end to end. Solution for um, essentially innovation. You know, we uh, have taken the process of product innovation and captured in a, in, a, in a way that uh, is intuitive and uh, and pretty powerful. It's uh, it's kind of exciting to play in that space. It's
0: really cool. So you're really creating an experience for, let's say, the people go back to Fender or Burton, whatever, whatever auto companies. Um, you're creating an experience that the, when they're prototyping, they actually feel like they are. They've created this vehicle or this guitar, and they don't necessarily need the physical product yet because they have such an advanced system with which they're working that they can actually improve it and perfect it
1: exactly and and for example some of our our aerospace customers and who are making commercial airplanes uh you know originally they would make dozens and dozens of physical prototypes um and now we have one of our customers that uh, actually flew uh the first prototype of an aircraft they made was the commercial aircraft and that's because they Mm -hmm. could actually virtually simulate it in our software prior to taking that flight
0: wow it's, so, it's really cool. Um, and it's probably relatively user-friendly, right? I mean, that's the whole point of this. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to Abso- use it. Absolutely. Right? Well, if you are
1: a rocket scientist, there's there's components for that. But uh, <laughs> you don't need to be, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: Which is really nice. Um, well, how, how, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about you um, and how you've ended up at Dassault. Um It'd be fun for our listeners to learn about your career and um, what you really do as a sustainability guy at a company like Dassault.
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, I come from the world of sustainability. So, you know, I got my start doing uh, consulting in the life cycle assessment space. That's uh, a process to uh, analyze the the footprint of, of products from um, start to finish in their product lifecycle. Um, I also did some work in the space of biomimicry, which is nature-inspired design. Uh, and so, you know, you might ask, what's a, a sustainability guy doing at uh, at a, a software company like Diso? Well, if you think about the products that we talked about and the breadth of uh, the uh, types of innovation processes that we can influence, we um, will actually can actually influence a pretty significant part of the world's carbon footprint by putting tools into our software that help designers understand the environmental impacts of those products and reduce those from conception all the way through production. I mean, there's, uh, you know, depending on how you slice it, uh, millions or even hundreds of millions of physical objects that are designed and managed in our software that we interact with every day. And if we can, you know, shave just a few uh, percentage points off of that carbon footprint, we can uh, really make an impact on the atmosphere. If we can uh, shave a little bit of or, or, or uh, increase a little bit of the energy efficiency. Um, we're talking the ability to take entire power plants offline. Mm. Uh, I mean it's it's a pretty uh, enormous uh, lever for change for for um, being able to help businesses to do, do better for mm-hmm. the environment.
0: Absolutely. So what is your personal interaction then with your customers?
1: So I actually have a dual role. Um, On one hand, um, I'm uh, one of the the small team of of, uh, employees at Dassault who uh, take care of our corporate sustainability. Um, So if you look at it as a... uh, a really sort of overarching process. We essentially take uh, electricity and soda and turn it into software. Um, so we don't have a lot of you know, kind of manufacturing impacts. Um, but we do have you know, impacts from things like business travel uh, and and of course electricity use. So I look at that as um, you know looking at we have uh, over 100 locations around the world, uh, about 10,000 employees, and so we do have a, a, a considerable footprint in that space. Um, but one of the really amazing things about what we call the the ICT sector uh, or information and and communication technology is that uh, it does have have some footprint on the world in terms of uh, environmental footprint but it has a much more uh uh a larger influence um, based on uh, the companies that use our products, and so my other hat is to work with our customers, to work with our industry teams, to develop um, an experience that um, our customers can use uh, to influence their own sustainability um, goals and uh, and their specifically their sustainable product design goals.
0: Okay, let's go back to um, life life lca life cycle analysis um and you, you mentioned it briefly and really how it it's from start to finish and how you're taking a product and really really digging through it and and figuring out what its environmental impact is um because this is your background it'd be fun for, to dig in a little bit further on like a specific product that with which you've worked either at DeSo or prior
1: Sure. So, um, one great example is um, one of our customers is, is Cree Lighting, uh, and they uh, make municipal LED fixtures. Um, and um, one of the things that you know, in working directly with them, uh, they have some great examples of um, you know bridges and things that are illuminated. You know, maybe this very street that uh, George was talking about, illuminated by these these um, these LED uh, lamps, right? And uh, when we helped them, uh, you know, and, and we we're le- using one of our um, software tools that's uh, focused on sustainability, it's called SolidWorks Sustainability. And what it allows us to do is uh, we've partnered with um, uh, one of our um, uh, one of the leading LCA firms, which is called PE International, and we use their Gabi software uh, and databases to connect uh, to our CAD software to do sort of an integrated uh, LCA dashboard, if you will. So that um, what that means in in, uh, in layman's terms is uh, a designer or an engineer, as they are designing a product, can actually see a real time updated carbon footprint, can see the total lifecycle energy output of that product, and they can see the effects on air and water. From every decision that they make, where it's being sourced, what material is used, um, you know how far it's being transported, how it's being uh, thrown away or recycled, uh, and so when um, when our friends at, at Cree uh, use this tool, um, one of the things they found was if you imagine there's a lot of um, pretty exotic metals that are be- that are used in an LED, and uh, they were really focusing on you know, how do we understand uh, the, the precious metals that are used uh, and the different materials, some of which are purchase components and we don't exactly know, mm-hmm. you know, exactly what the materials are. Uh, and that's where it, their original focus was. When they started using our tool, they realized that, while there there are definitely material impacts, because of the longevity of an LED, if you look at the fact that it draws, um, you know, let's say um, 100 watts for, uh, you know, uh, 8 10 12 hours a day if it's a if it's a municipal, municipal street light for something like 15 years yeah. uh, that energy draw dwarfs the material impacts absolutely dwarfs so what they found was well, gosh, we could double the amount of material that we're using if we could shave a few percentage off the energy use. We would actually be doing better for the environment.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And so it allowed them to say, uh, "Hey, let's shift our focus from understanding the materials to uh, really focusing on on energy efficiency." And one small example of that might be if you've got a you know some copper wiring, mm-hmm. maybe you increase the diameter of that wiring to decrease the resistance. It's more copper. Uh, with all of the extraction and mining and refining that that comes with in its supply chain. But if it's a lower resistance, less heat, lower energy, you might be actually doing better for the environment
0: really cool stuff that's really cool stuff how about the uh, the biomimicry piece i'm i'm fascinated with biomimicry and um and i've you know had i've had bill mcdonough on the show who's who's um really kind of the guru in this in this field and i've learned quite a bit um as a result how about how, where does that come to play
1: yeah absolutely so um it, you know in my past i've used biomimicry to Uh, look at things like um, while I was working for uh, a company that makes unmanned aerial vehicles and looking at some of their navigation technologies that were actually inspired by the way that uh, that bats and bees uh, navigate in their environment uh, and that's I think the state of the art of biomimicry is, is sort of in product design and in, in inspiring technologies and I think that's great um, another really cool example that I love is Columbia Forest Products is actually making a urea formaldehyde free plywood uh, adhesive using uh, a protein that's modeled after, after blue mussels the way they adhere to rocks. There's a lot of really great things in that space but what I think is um, the next thing for biomimicry, uh, and you know, I think Bill McDonough would probably you know heartily uh, agree with this, is moving it from biomimicry into uh, kind of what we might call business ecology or industrial ecology, and that's taking it away from the natural technologies and sort of up level a level or two uh, towards the system, mm-hmm. and looking at how do we, for example, do business like a forest. Where there's waste, but none of it is trash, right. because all of the waste is repurposed as food for uh, you know some other organism. Can we implement that in our business systems uh, and uh, through things like industrial eco parks, for example, where uh, the waste from one plant is, is used as the the raw material for another plant? Uh, or in kind of wider loops uh, through um, methods like um, well, my, my friends at Preserve Products, if you're familiar with them, mm-hmm. on the uh, they, yeah, they make some great products out of uh, 100% post-consumer recycled materials. And what's really um, I think commendable is that they try to close the loop after their products are sold and have their customers mail them back and um, uh, you know regrind them and do you know additional things with those with that right. plastic and that material.
0: Right, they're a really cool company. They really are um so we could talk about bio- I a mean, probably could talk about biomarker <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't have that much time so um we'll move on but so one of your other one of your other roles um at, at diso is is probably a little bit of marketing is that true or not do you do any of that the green marketing I, piece i do yeah okay. it's
1: it's um it's a little bit of marketing, but it's more telling the story of what we'd be able to actually do. So, yes. you know, we, we try to lead with action and then talk about it. And then talk about it. Or at least let other people talk about it. Right. <laughs>
0: Is it a big piece of, w- of what you do?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that... Um, one of the focuses, and uh, you speak of marketing, a lot of our marketing is done internally. Okay. You know, we've got 10,000 employees. Um, you know, it, it's not a gigantic company, but it's it's large enough that uh, it is a challenge reaching and engaging all of those employees. Sure. And letting them know what we can do as a company to reduce our impacts. Uh, so some of the things that we've been able to do, for example, uh, here in our Boston campus, we uh, eliminated um, all of our um, bottled beverages on campus Mm -hmm. we used to have these fridges that we'd have um you know cans of soda um, bottles of water Mm -hmm. and we've gone to kind of um you know if you go to a fast food restaurant you see those those fountain drinks Mm -hmm. Um, and we've gone to one of those systems and and simply purchased a reusable mug and a reusable tumbler for every employee and gone to you know filtered water and and fountain drinks it seems like such a simple idea right but we've actually been able to eliminate by our calculations, um, the uh, a quarter of a million soda cans that we would have used, oh. which is four tons of aluminum, uh, and over a hundred thousand um, PET plastic water bottles that we would have used over the course of the year, wow. which is more than a ton of PET plastic. Wow. So when we have a an office with uh, you know roughly eight hundred to a thousand employees, we can really reach scale at, at um, you know for for kind of simple actions like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's amazing when you think about those stats. It's amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, sustainable design practices. Um, sure. There are there are terms that we throw around like like lightweighting, mm-hmm. local sourcing, which a lot of people do know about, lower impact material selection, energy efficiency, etc. Can you can you talk a little bit about some of these?
1: Yeah. There's there's a a lot of movements. Um, sort of in the design space to implement some of these ideas. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's frameworks like design for environment, uh, design for disassembly, uh, and then there's, um, you know, individual schools of thought of adopting things like lightweighting and whatnot. Um, excuse me, I think the, the real power is in assessing for your product what will really move the needle
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and and trying to determine uh, you know as with that example with with cree what is really wh- where do the impacts really lie uh, and so um Uh, you know, a lot of companies turn to uh, the idea of life cycle assessment. Now, you know, I'm a big proponent of LCA, um, you know, I've I've certainly done that, a little bit of that work in my past. Um, One of the challenges with LCA is that it's a very rigorous scientific process, and with that is a lot of associated time and cost. Um, So, uh, just from average uh, statistics, um, an LCA you know, on average in general takes uh, about three months to perform, and about $30,000 per product. And so if you're looking at a company that makes, um, you know, a few thousand SKUs or even, uh, you know, a a couple hundred products quickly becomes pretty uh, prohibitive, right? Cost and time prohibitive. So what we're trying to do, um, and I'm not going to narrow the scope to us, what a number of companies in our industry are trying to do is kind of democratize that idea of LCA um, to what we might call life cycle thinking. So taking. The data that have, have been gathered over a couple decades now of companies and industries performing life cycle assessments and everywhere from the aluminum industry associations uh, you know, to uh, individual uh, makers of, of steels and plastics, taking that data and that knowledge and experience and encoding it, into systems where designers and engineers already are. Uh, so, in the CAD software, for example, uh, in our uh, uh, product lifecycle management software, where we can take a look at, you know, okay, here's the list of suppliers, and here's the the um, the um, you know list of materials uh, that are used, um, and we're already doing things like. Checking for um, compliance with laws like r- restriction of hazardous substances or Rojas. Um it's uh, you know not a far-fetched, uh, not far-fetched to go from there to say, let's also look at the carbon footprint of the products. Um, you know, in some places it is legislated; in many places, it's simply uh, you know doing it to be good stewards of the environment. Right. So, looking at at carbon and looking at energy and, and the other environmental impacts, and taking that idea of LCA and applying it to places where we can actually make a difference. Not the final produced product, but rather uh, using it as what we call a hotspot analysis to say, is our impact in materials? Okay, let's shave some material off. Is it rather in manufacturing? Let's make that manufacturing more efficient. Or is it in transportation? For many packaged goods, a lot of the impact is in the way that they're transported. Maybe then we can focus on local sourcing and local manufacturing. So it's important to say there's a list of of these sort of practices that we can use every day, but we have to ask ourselves what's going to really make a difference. Right. You know, if you're playing in the packaging for a laptop, which has you know a lot of um, impacts in the circuit circuitry and the circuit boards, may not make as much difference as if you focus on you know the precious metals, let's say, used in the, in in the circuit board or the energy over the course of its life.
0: Right. What does it mean though for like a smaller company that that is can't afford? to use lca yet their customers are saying well we'll we'll check back with me once you've done a whole life cycle you know analysis assessment of the product and once we have that sort of stamp of approval is it it's a it's kind of it's it's interesting i was uh,
1: i was speaking at at an lca conference and someone from um the eco imagination office at ge had a, a comment that stuck in my head they said um she said, when uh, s- when companies ask us for an LCA on a product, sometimes they don't know what they're asking and how difficult it is to do what they're asking. And so she says, I always ask what form they want. If they say, you know, Gabi or SEMA Pro or some other big LCA package, then, you know, she says, I'll know what they're talking about. If they say, well, PDF would be nice, then, yeah. she, then she knows, <laughs> okay, what they really want is some quick environmental assessment I and see. to know that we're doing the right thing. So uh, what we tell, uh, and we have a, a number of small customers, um, just in our SOLIDWORKS brand alone, there's 150,000 companies that use the software, everything from, you know, a single uh, designer to, to large companies. And so what we tell them is uh, carbon footprint is often, throughout the process, a good proxy of cost. Uh, and so uh, and that cost is created generally from material and energy expenditure. And so something that really resonates with um, sort of the, the designers and engineers uh, that are, 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 are uh, our core customer base and user base is... Uh, Uh, reducing that material energy waste. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to uh, changing, let's say, finding an alternative material for greater uh, eco-efficiency or greater, uh, you know, lower environmental impact, that may be a luxury for some companies. We, We understand that. But, um... There's a lot of what we call low-hanging fruit in the industry um, where there's simply material and energy waste Mm -hmm. that can be taken out of those processes that can be identified by looking at the environmental impacts and looking at where those impacts are, are incurred.
0: Okay. Interesting. So let's move on. Let's again, we can talk about <laughs> <this> <laughs> forever. Let's, let's move on to your other hat. Um, we talked a little bit about the employee engagement um, a while you know just a few minutes ago. But w- what what are you doing in this role? It's a whole nother role that you have at the company, um, and it's a big one. Can talk a little bit about what you're doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we started, um, you know, I and, and uh, a colleague of mine, um, Amy Green, started in our Boston office and uh, kind of launched a volunteer green team and solicited ideas, you know, w- for our employees, what can we do on site? We also happen to be moving to this new campus, and so we said, you know, what can we do as we move into the new campus to adopt more sustainable behaviors? Because our behaviors are going to change anyway. So what can we do um, to uh, to just sort of get off on the right foot and that movement has grown from you know a dozen people in a room you know on over our lunch breaks to um, you know formal positions um, so you know my title is, is as head of sustainability for North America uh, as well as you know a vibrant green team in our Boston campus and uh, five or six other green teams coming uh, online uh, at our other campuses we've done events uh, focused on things like sustainable food mm. so bringing in local and organic food for our employees, you know, in in an event to kind of teach them about what does it mean to to, to think about that. Everything from there to um, we're planning planning an upcoming recycle uh, recycling week to focus on you know how do we um, uh, recycle and compost on site as well as how can you do it in your, uh, you know in your homes. Uh, and one thing we find we find a couple of really interesting benefits. So first first of all, um, the um, the types of empl- employees that engage uh, in these activities are from all brands all industries all functions in the company and it's really great to get people working side by side that really haven't had a chance to talk before yeah. uh, and that's that's a lot of fun um, we also find that uh, you know as i said earlier um we're somewhere you know, along the path to sustainability. There are companies that we look up to that we can learn from, and there are many companies that we can teach in terms of what we've been able to do mm-hmm. to get things like, like budget and uh, executive sponsorship, which we absolutely enjoy, uh, and, uh, and engaging our employees. Uh, and so we were actually lucky enough to um, be the recent recipients of uh, the Impact at Work Award from Net Impact um, that you know, spoke to some of the things that we've been able to do, not just in our... Uh, in our site in Boston, but to create kind of this worldwide movement. Uh, and we're also mentoring our, our colleagues in uh, lots of other geographies from Brazil to China. Uh, at other DS offices, about forming green teams to see how they can do what we're what we're doing.
0: I'm glad you mentioned your word. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry that's pretty, for the shameless. It's, plug. No, it's pretty <laughs> exciting. It's good, and 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 I think that, that you know just from my past experience, you know, with interviewing people about this employee engagement piece, is that there's so many people who go to work and they feel like they have to check their environmental hat at the door. It's like I, they, even if they they practice you know a really healthy lifestyle at home or responsible sustainable lifestyle at home that, that they they kind of put their hands up, you know, throw their hands in the air uh, at work because it's just not, the, the culture is not ubiquitous. And so it's nice to see that uh, a company, you know, like Dassault is, is really taking, in, you know, advantage of this. But you're, you also have a formal role where you're pushing this. And I think that companies increasingly are seeing the need for that.
1: And, and you know, Chrissy, I don't really have to push much. It's more like um, bringing together the people that have been pushing on their own. Mm. And helping them to kind of um, push towards a common goal, um, setting things like metrics that we can use to track. So we try. We, we have we have uh, six environmental metrics that we use: uh, carbon, energy, um, uh, water consumption, paper consumption, waste, and electronic waste. Uh, and you know, as as a global company, uh, and so I'm I'm helping our employees understand. Okay, let's cast this project that I had in mind, you know, uh, against things like these metrics or things like, you know, how do I engage my employees? employees, my fellow employees and so it's it's almost like we're um, we originally called ourselves catalysts mm-hmm. because it's like we're just turning the tap of this excitement and, and interest in bringing as you said our imp- environmental values to work right and reducing our impacts there
0: what is what are some of the the, the hot topics what, what what really gets people going the most do you find
1: um, that's a good question um, things like the consumables that we use every day okay. um, You know, and we've tried to address it, uh, for example, with... um in our Boston campus, um, you know, with paper consumption, uh, one of the things we've implemented is a system where you can send a document to the printer spool, you know, for the building, and then walk up to any printer and badge in, and then only then will it print out your document. Wow! Because how many times do you go to the printer at the end of the day and see a bunch of stuff that's printed and forgotten about? Right. <laughs> um, so things like that, and, and addressing, you know, everything from in the employee kitchens to kind of our everyday operations, um, that's something that that uh, employees get um, pretty excited about. Um, we're also, I mean, we're a software company, so we probably have more computers than we do people, you know, in, in the building. <laughs> right. And so looking at, um, you know, reducing that energy use as well.
0: That's so cool. Well, I think we've run out of time. And so thank you so much for telling us all about the, the, the company. And it is, um, the website is www3 ds That's right. Okay, and you can find out more information about this company that a lot of us may not know about until you know we know, but we know now we know it's in a lot of our products, but your your software. But it's nice to actually. hear about your company so hopefully you'll get on the listeners will get on on the website and check it out and peruse and there's a really actually pretty rich uh section on sustainability and corporate responsibility there too so um definitely get on the get on the site the proceeding has been nature of business with chrissy coughlin in association with greenbiz.com